Welcome to Mosaic Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following recording from Mosaic Church Leeds, based in the United Kingdom. For more podcasts and information on Mosaic Church, please visit mosaic-church.org.uk. Thank you for listening. I am going to kind of continue the Kingdom of God series and bring it to its conclusion. We're hopefully week five. Uh, I think you've had all weeks, and um, and I'm also going to inspire you and and show you how you may hold the rope. That's a phrase that I will use in my tug-of-war rope to explain shortly. But um, Matt, right at the start of September, he used three pictures to do with ships that were particularly helpful in casting some vision of of what direction we're going as a church. And so just wanted to refresh you of these pictures that we as a church are a, sh- are a ship that we have our wind set the kind of the wind of the holy so our sails set to the wind of the holy spirit and we are also to be a shipyard a shipyard where other ships are built where church planting teams are readied and built and sent and set sail and thirdly we are to be part of an armada a force far bigger than just ourselves that are bringing the kingdom of God to the UK and to the nations. And as part of um, New Frontiers, we are part of a network of churches called Catalyst. That's how we express that here at Mosaic. And I want you to hold in your mind these three pictures as I continue, in particular, that of the shipyard. And as I do that, let me take you back in time to right at the end of the 18th century where a meeting has gathered. A meeting of some people and passionate um, Christians who lead churches in the UK. And I'd like to imagine this meeting has gathered in a dimly lit tavern over half a pint of mild that they're having this conversation. In reality, it happened in a family home in Kettering over a cup of tea. And in this house, in 1792, a conversation started where William Carey, Andrew Fuller, John Ryland, maybe those names don't mean anything to you, but amongst them, they had gathered and what was initiated was the start of a move of God that had not been seen before in the UK, perhaps even the world, where missionaries would be sent overseas, would be sent to speak of Jesus where he had not been heard about before. And John Ryland, he records this conversation. I hope you don't mind if I read it in what I imagine his accent would have been. He says this, Our undertaking to India appeared to me on its commencement to be somewhat like a few men who were deliberating about the importance of penetrating into a deep mine which had never before been explored. We had no one to guide us and while we were thus deliberating, William Carey, as it were, said, well, I will go down if you hold the rope. I will go down if you hold the rope. But before he went down, he seemed, as it seemed to me, took an oath from each of us at the mouth of this pit to the effect that while we still lived, we should never let go of the rope. 
I love this story. I love it for so many reasons, other than the fact I can put on a phony English accent. Because it shows us how the Great Commission requires all hands on deck. That William Carey and John Thomas, who went with him six months later to India, went with such a dependence on God, but with also the support of many holding this rope. It displays, it, it displays the importance of the connection between those going and those who are doing the sending. And for William Carey, Andrew Fuller and their friends, who they have changed history because of that, what happened through the work of God and that conversation. And you see, now it's our turn. It's our turn to play our part in seeing the nations impacted and play our part in holding the rope. Um, Joel, you offered some help earlier when I arrived. Now is the time to uh, get into action. Joel is going to pass around the box, uh, and in fact the contents of the box. It is a long tug-of-war rope. Now, the idea is that as many people as possible get to have the rope on their lap. I want you to feel... That's good. Yeah, uh, let's you know, snake it as far as we can um, from side to side. I'm afraid not everyone will get to hold the rope. Um, you, you, can come, you can come at the end and just touch it if you want. Um, but it, the effect of imagine if one end of this was being held by Martin and Carolyn Simbae and Larry and Leah Seaman who are in Kapiri in Zambia. One end, they are taking the strain at one end. And the other end, we are doing the holding. We as a church, North Gathering, Highport Heading Gathering, South Gathering, we are doing the holding of this rope. Because we believe in the Great Commission. The commission of Jesus to us, his disciples, to send into the nation so that people may hear of who he is and the good news of the kingdom of God. And so today I'll share with Izzy something of about one of those ships, one of those church is being planted, it's being built in Zambia. I'm going to inspire you of how you as a church not may get distracted too much by the rope coming across, but how you may grasp hold of this rope. And thirdly, and this is where I'm going to start, Micah's being tied up with it. Sorry, Micah, that, that wasn't meant to happen. Um, I'm going to start by painting a picture of Jesus and the advance of his kingdom. I'm not going to literally paint a picture because I would make a mess, but my picture will be metaphorical. I'm going to start by using Psalm 2, and part of Psalm 2, and it should appear on the screen. I have installed my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will proclaim the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. The psalm written by King David. It's a psalm written looking ahead to his own son's coronation as king of Israel. And he is rejoicing that his son is full of wisdom. He had chosen the path of the righteous, the path of the righteousness that's, that's talked about in Psalm 1. And Solomon was to be ruler of Israel, and no foreign ruler 
against him could resist his righteous rule. That's what David is kind of whooping over. Yet Solomon, like us, was only human. He, his reign was marred by doing exactly what the righteous were not to do. And ultimately, Solomon's rule didn't turn out as his father David had hoped. He was not the true Messiah that Israel so desperately needed. However, he was a pointer to another of King David's descendants who was to come. The psalm speaks of another ruler, Jesus, who would be installed as king. And this psalm is quoted in, in, uh, in Acts 4 and also by John in Revelation 19. They quote this psalm and declare, like we should, that he is to be installed as our king. In fact, he is the king of all kings and no other ruler can resist his righteous rule. We, in that light, should devote our loyalty to him. And we are to make sure others get a chance to make that same invitation to Jesus that he should rule in their hearts. And therefore, for us, we, we join in with the Great Commission. We join in with his authority given to us to extend his rule in the nations. And therefore, as agents of the expansion of his kingdom, where he rules, he makes his co-heirs with this promise of Father God in Psalm 2.8. Ask me and I'll make the nations your inheritance, the ends of earth, the earth your possession. It's not so that we go and become rulers in our own right of our own kingdom. No one would really want to be part of a kingdom ruled by Dan Chadwick or Matt Hatch. No, no, that was a joke, but <laughs> perhaps you think really strongly of Matt. <laughs> it's not that. It's where we go, the kingdom of God comes with us, and Jesus, he is, is installed as king. And so it's our responsibility, as co-heirs with Christ, to build the ship go- shipyard and to take the gospel of Jesus to the nations. And this morning, you may feel a million miles away from that. And you will be asking, what's my role in this? Well, hopefully, you'll leave today a little bit more convinced that wherever you live, Horsworth, West West Park, you can be part of changing the world. You can be part of altering history. And as we see God's kingdom come in Leeds, and the nations that God has brought to Leeds, but also from Leeds to the nations of the world. So let me use this story of what God is doing in a small town in Zambia, about 6,000 miles away. I googled last night how long it was, how many miles it was, and it told me it was an an 88-day walk. And I thought, hey, I could do that. (laughs) I'm not sure I will. And here is Map of Africa. And you can see Zambia, um, and the red flag is where Kapiri is. What is this town known for? Well, it's known as a transit town from the copper region in the Zambian north to the capital in the south. It's a huge main road. The Great North Road runs through the town. It's like Zambia's M1, although it's only a single carriageway. It's straight through the town. 
It's also known as the Western Point on a railway line from the east, kind of Tanzania and the capital Dar es Salaam. So it kind of stops there. And it's also known, sadly, because of a BBC, uh, no, uh, a program uh, shown on television in the last few years. It's known for drunk men. Griff Reese jones went, and if you go amongst the bars, that's what you found. Lots of men who are not in work, and they spend their days in the bars. And it is a place of great poverty, but it's a place of great hope for the nations. And um, the story of what, how we're connected as a church to Kapiri started in 2006, where Carolyn Simbae, then Carolyn Power, joined Matt Hatch and a number of others from the church on a mission trip to Durban, South Africa. They stayed and served with Newfoundland Church there in Durban, led by, is it Drew and Megan? Drew and Megan Land. And what Drew and Megan had a vision to see was a church planted where all types of people would be there, worshipping, standing shoulder to shoulder, building the church. And they were growing that with different races, different social statuses, different bank account figures. It didn't, it didn't matter what that was. If you came into the church, your, your skin color and um, the, your standing in society didn't prevent you from building the church. It was so inclusive. All were included in God's family, all called to build together. And in the um, few years that followed, Martin and Carolyn, they got married, and God birthed in them a dream to make a difference to the people of Zambia, in particular this town, Kapiri, initially through a secondary school. Yet hope filled Carolyn's heart that one day a church might be planted like they'd experienced in Durban in 2006, that one day they would see a church built in Kapiri like that. And today, 10 years on from that mission trip, Carolyn Martin have indeed started a secondary school. There are over 150 pupils enrolled in that school, and they are providing some of the best education in the district. A number um, of pupils, 150 now, that is increasing by 50 each year as they build new blocks, new teaching blocks and classrooms. And over the past few months, they've been building a DT block, Design Technology Workshop. And I wonder, Aaron, if there is... Um, yeah, so here's the school. So this, uh, on, on the... Um, let me just check with Aaron. Do we have a video to show as well? Okay, let's have a look at the video first, and I'll talk you through it so you can imagine what the school is like. And um, I took this video, stood on the back of a pickup truck, and so... It, I fall over nearly at one point, so bear with that bit. But this is going up the road on the way to the school. It's a dirt road. When the rainy season comes in a few months' time, there's ruts and rivers washing down the road. Yet it doesn't stop the people doing life there. It doesn't stop people, and this particular children, going to school. So here we go. Go on, Ari, roll the video. Everyone can see it. Um, there's no sound. The only sound that there would be is the rushing wind. And we come into the school. That's what it's called. You see, it is an arid place. The sun pretty much shines from 6 till 6, and then it's dark. And it's about 30 degrees there at the moment, getting hotter as we approach November and December. And what you see up there on the left is the primary school. They have two brick buildings and one container where they run the classes. There to the left, that's their playground. And... As we come 
um, through into the school. You can't quite, there we go, nearly fell over. You can't quite see it. But over to the left, as I pan round to the right, that's where they live. Both the Seaman family and the Simbae family. And then we look across to the secondary school. Single story, classroom blocks that are being built. And it, what will be is a hexagon with six blocks um, kind of in a hexagon shape. And there to the left is the DT lab. Now has a, nearly got a roof on a few weeks later, ready for school in January. And the, those bricks in front of us there, that's what they use to build the school. And those bricks have been created using a special machine that converts the dirt on the site into bricks. Brilliant, self-sustainable type of, um, of building that Martin's pioneering. And so there is the DT lab. Why am I focusing on that? Well, not only will students gain a qualification, but also the level of tradesmanship in the town will be on the rise so that the quality of work is better and that the children who learn the subject have the opportunity to start their own business. As they leave school, many won't become um, kind of doctors and nurses and accountants, but many will have an opportunity to fill the gap in the trade sector. Uh, trade sector. Not only in comp- are young people being educated, through the Vingeri Trust School. So are children. So as we saw those primary school classrooms, there's nearly 100 children in those rooms. And each year, there'll be a new bunch of children entering to the bottom year, uh, the kind of pre-reception, but also kind of filling out the gaps in the, the rest of the classrooms. And the reputation is growing, so much so that the wealthiest people in the town are beginning to send their school, their children to that primary school. So I mentioned Martin and Carolyn. They'd moved out in 2012. May 2015, Larry and Leah Seaman and their family, they moved to Compiri too. There they are. That was taken um, on the day we left. And they have been a wonderful strengthening to what, God is doing in Kapiri. It's um, both, so Larry, he's a DT teacher, so he's taking a lead on, on that classroom and what happens in that classroom. And Leah seems to do everything <laughs> as well as raise a family. And um, the, the pair of them going has catalyzed this vision of a church being planted there. They, um, on a Sunday, have been meeting Uh, for a while meeting together as families and they have begun to start using the school one of the classrooms in the school to meet and as the emerging kind of church plant begins they're beginning to see people join join them there are four teenagers who live with Martin and Carolyn and they're part of what um, what is happening in the church they're serving on kids work they're doing the visuals they're able to um, do kind of join in with the worship band. And that is amazing to see that their faith is so vibrant that they're getting to do it on a Sunday morning. And then the three or four older boys from the secondary school who um, Larry runs a discipleship group with, they are joining in with what Martin, Carolyn, Larry and Leah are doing on a Sunday morning. And when we were there, there was a new teacher, a new primary school teacher, he was joining in too. And so what God is doing, he's, he's drawing Zambians from Kapiri to worship God together with them. And we do, we do expect, we do pray that those Zambians who are, whose hearts are being captured for Jesus and his gospel would 
be strong oaks of righteousness in that church as it grows. And Izzy and myself were part of a team that went a couple of weeks ago. That's where that footage and that video and some of these pictures have come from. Hannah Lewis and Kate Altie from South Gathering also came, along with two of my friends from, who live in Chapel Allerton, Tom and Joanne Gregson. They completed the team of six. Um, Tom and Joanne are in the middle on the photo on the top left. And they, um, I play football with Tom. Uh, they, they, they're not Christians, they don't go to church, but they had, the, as I talked about going to Zambia last year, they wanted to play a part in what we were doing. And so when they asked, could they come? And Joanne's a doctor, and her and Leah got on so well. Um, uh, Tom, he will do anything, serve any way he can. He, pr- he spent the most number of hours kind of serving and helping. So they were brilliant. Um, what we were able to do was serve in the schools, running music lessons, craft lessons, health eating lessons, PE lessons, and lessons all about building godly relationships with some of the older students. We also got to take assemblies, primary school and in the secondary school, where we spoke to the 150 children of our faith in Jesus and becoming a Christian, when we became a Christian. I got to do that, Hannah got to do that, Kate got to do that, and so did Izzy. Then Saturday came and we held an Olympic sport afternoon. And we had a right blast on the playing fields in 30 degree heat. (laughs) And we were flagging, but they weren't. And um, we taught them how to play ultimate frisbee, which is a sport that you never know. In the future, Zambia may win the world championship because of what we did. Unlikely, but they may. And that that Olympic sport afternoon was for the year, the grade 8s, the grade 10s, and the grade 11s. The grade 9s were not allowed to come because they had to attend Saturday school as they prepared to take their huge exams. Um, they, uh, they joyfully turned up to school on Saturday, and they studied, and they learnt, and last week they sat their exams. And they serve as a bit of a marker for them that they're not allowed to enter grade 10 until they have passed six subjects. Last year, as a new school, Vingeru had their first cohort take exams, and they fared remarkably well, far better than even Martin had expected. And so as they take these exams, that kind of the, those in the year below, they expect to do just as well, if not better, um, certainly from their mock results that they'd taken whilst we were there. So things are looking good educationally, that they are one of the best schools in the district. And on the topic, topic of exams, um, one of the pupils who took exam, I wonder if you've got the picture of the, the six boys behind me. Yeah, there they are. This was on the final day of term. Um, a number of those boys in the picture are grade nines who are sponsored by people in the UK that they pay their school fees each month, £25 a month it costs. And it is one way in which we as a church get to hold the rope And in time, as these boys grow older, they get educated. And I expect that their their faith deepens and grows, that they may become part of the church that um, is being led on the site. Uh, They they may be involved in reaching overseas. Perhaps they're part of a church in, in the town already with their family. But we're getting to sow into them so that they may be leaders in the future. And I want to just, before... Um, I ask Izzy to come and share. I want to tell you the story of David. Um, a picture of the ice creams. 
Oh, to go back one, go back one. On Sunday afternoon after church, where they um, we had the service, then all the all, ever, pretty much everyone came back to Larry and Leah's for lunch, including these three boys on the truck. Larry then he after lunch he he teaches them guitar and um, the few percussion instruments. He's kind of creating a worship band, and then they tend to just go out and have a walk. And this Sunday we jumped in the back of the truck and we went to a dam and we got to spend some time with David on on the left with the crazy shorts. I want to tell you about his story because David, it's a, it's a story of real tragedy yet promise, and he's 23 years old. He's in grade 10 at school. He, last year, was one of the top four students in the entire school. He, not surprisingly, he carries a, a bursary place. And um, he lives alone. He's been orphaned for most of his life. He'd never had the chance to complete secondary education until in 2013 he started school when the Vingeru Trust School opened its doors. And he was one of their very first pupils. And somehow... God has protected and guarded his heart from all the pain and tragedy in his life such that he is an exceptional young man. He is somebody with incredible kindness and compassion. And not only is he a really bright student, he is someone I have no doubt God is preparing to lead other Zambians in their town. And you see, we believe, don't we, that God's desire is to restore all things, to make all things new. He does that in people. And he's doing that in David. And so he's one of many young people in Kapiri who through the school are getting a chance to shine, getting a chance to have their education. But not just that, to grow as disciples of Jesus through the vision Martin and Carolyn has given, been given and then through the strengthening of Larry and Leah. You see, the kingdom of God is breaking out. The kingdom is advancing the kingdom is, is advancing through people like Julia and Ian who pray faithfully for these families and who sent me with a little package with a letter and a book. And we had a hilarious time. They sent a book called Doctor's, a Dr. Zeus book full of tongue twisters. And me and Nins were rolling about the floor laughing as we failed to pronounce those tongue twisters. The kingdom of breaking out through people like Rachel Westerdale in the South Gathering, who had heard Sophia Simbay hadn't got any school shoes that fit her. So she sent with me a pair of school shoes that fit her, brand new school shoes that means she doesn't have to wear Ninza's old ones. The kingdom is breaking out through people like Kate Hart, who has gone on Thursday. She um, does some work out there and she's filled her suitcase with stuff that we weren't able to take. The kingdom of God is breaking out through my friends like Tom and Joanne who don't yet know God, yet is, God is using them to bless the town. And the kingdom of God is being strengthened through young people in our church who are mighty warriors and who have firmly grasped the rope. Young people like Izzy. And so what I've asked Izzy to do is to come and share some of her experience. So can we give Izzy a round of applause? Come and stand this side of me. Um, Izzy, can you start off by telling us some of the highlights of the trip for you? Um, well, that's loud. <laughs> I really enjoyed going, like, doing loads of new things. Like, I went just seeing a completely new culture and just, like, going to the high school and 
doing PE and stuff and I also really enjoyed just staying with the families and doing life with them and hanging out with the kids and stuff. And can you tell us how life is different in Kapiri compared to Leeds? Um, it's really hot <laughs> and it's, I think for them it's very like non-stop, they do, they do a lot and work really hard and it's it, in Zambia, it's just like a different type of poverty kind of to here because here you get like benefits and you won't, you, will, you will eat and you have a house. But there, if, if you have no money, you don't eat or you just, yeah, so, yeah. Um, can you describe what it was like to go to James's house when we had dinner? Oh, yeah, <laughs> so... We were we were sat on the floor and it, it was kind of the living room it was just all bare and there was just I think a carpet and a table and then a really like old TV and we ate lots of Zambian food and the girls in the house had prepared it all and there was a lot of food. Yeah. Including some fish that we'd seen in the market, but it wasn't till the next day. And these fish were called kapenta and they're just like rotten fish and we got to eat them and they were horrible <laughs> I ate one they were like that and, um, Izzy do you mind telling us a little bit about the difference for children in school compared to Leeds I think they work much harder and they kind of seem to enjoy school much more and obviously it's good to see how how much they appreciate it mm. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. The gratefulness is just out of this world. Even joyfully coming to school on a Saturday morning. I don't think you see that round here very much, right? No. Um, and finally, tell us how can we? How do you think we can help the Simbeos and the Siemens? Um, I think probably praying for them, praying for good health, and for probably for the church that it'll keep growing, and hopefully maybe more of a team for the church so then it's not just Larry and Leah working real hard and also maybe email the emailing them or sp like contacting them just to like encourage them and show that we're all behind them. Thanks Izzy. Can we give Izzy a massive round of applause? <laughs> if you want to hear a little bit more um, about Zambia, Larry and Leah write a blog, I think it's mainly Leah, and it's absolutely brilliant, and they maybe put a post up every four weeks, every six weeks and Sarah Halpin is posting it to the city, so if you see it on the city feed, read it but don't stop at reading it send them a message tell Leah how, how, great, how much you enjoyed it or tell Leah um, what we even have talked about today that you heard from Izzy and I the Whilst they're surrounded by pupils, 250 pupils every day on site, plus a load of teachers and a really busy town, it actually feels really lonely when they're there. They don't have the same kind of friendships and relationships that we have with each other. And that's one of the costs of, of going to Zambia. Yet, if we are to hold the rope and take seriously our responsibility, that contact through email or WhatsApp, Leah's brilliant on WhatsApp, um, I sounded really old then, didn't I? Um, the modern technology still works in Zambia, and it is a brilliant way 
to keep in touch. So please do that. Um, I think we've got a, um, I've got a few ways now just how we can hold the rope together as I come to finish. So firstly, how do we hold this rope? Well, first of all, we grasp it. We grasp the rope, which looks like praying for them. In January, we have an Encountering God Week where you will receive a booklet. And in that booklet will be an update from the two families in Zambia. you get a chance to pray for them. Um, it might be about your giving, supporting a student, or supporting Larry and Leah, or Martin and Carolyn with an individual donation or, or monthly gift. Write to them, follow their blog and respond. Visit with me, I will be going again. And if you want to come, I'm not promising I'm going to take you, but let me know you'd like to. Remember their birthdays, especially if you know the families. Remember their birthdays and just send, you, you may not get a card to them. It takes sometimes, um, is it right, Jean? It takes about four, week, four months for, to send something um, in the post. So email, you can see why it's the advantage. But you, you may be the kind of person who is able to get that far in advance to st- send things through the post to make it in time. So number one, grasp the rope. Secondly, take the strain. What happens if you were to loosely grasp that rope in front of you and a heavy object was, was weighted down on the other side? What would happen to your hands? Yeah, you get a friction burn. It would hurt you. There would be a there would be pain to yourself. What would happen to the person at the other end? Incredible instability and, and danger for them. Listen, we we must take seriously our responsibility to hold the rope. We're a we're a fairly large church, got plenty of people who can take play their part. And if we were to have a huge tug of war, dangle someone from the ceiling, it we could we could hold a lot of weight. We can hold a lot of weight. And so if you do lead people who, who go from here to the nations, you lead people to believing that you're going to give to them, please honor your words. Better still, share the vision with others who can support them as well. If you say to people, yes, I'll pray for you, it's often we do that, don't we? Please make sure you do. And better still, gather others to join you in praying. And if you have friends advancing his kingdom overseas, do your best to keep in touch. But better still, get some people alongside you to grasp the rope with you. So it is easier, so you have more reminders. And so we, it, it's, it's actually less, um, you're less able to forget when you've got other people reminding you. I've been mainly talking about people from uh, people who are in Zambia. But it could have been, I've been talking about the Hunter Kelms in Turkey, the Hobbs in China, the Vaughans in Dublin, the Detroits in South Africa, the Cartridges in Rwanda, the uh, Tidmarches in France, or any students who are spending a year overseas as part of their studies. Um, but if we are to take seriously the mandate to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, there will be, an, there will be others in this room who will go. And it will hopefully mean they're part of a team so that the door may be opened to others to hear of Jesus. Other minds to be opened up. And if you're one of them, what I really want to encourage you in the season before you go, however long that is, is that you would be deeply connected here. 
that you would grow friendships that you were going to keep the rest of your lives, that you would be open and vulnerable, that you would be laid bare as you do life together as disciples of Jesus so that we can hold the rope strongly for you. Because there's no doubt the stronger the connection, the stronger the hold on the rope. You see, we talk about it because we recognize the need in the nations. We recognize the, the vision God has for us, not just to reach Horsforth or North Leeds or the city of, the Le- of Leeds or the UK, but to reach the nations with the gospel. And he is installed as king. He is king of kings and lord of lords, and there is no one who can stand against his throne. And so we're to take that message. And he is big enough. He is big enough to to take us with him. He's big enough to give us what we need. He's big enough to help us as we send people as painful as it can be. But if you were to read Andrew Fuller's story of sending William Carey, people say his experience of holding the rope revived his soul. Not long uh, before that meeting that took place in his house, his wife died. Yet, despite all that pain and turbulence, he still had the conviction to go. And it brought him life in his relationship with Jesus. That he might hold the rope. Andrew Fuller deeply understood who Jesus was as king. And he had a deep conviction that those who did not know him should have a chance to hear. So this morning... As we come to worship, and if I can invite the band back, we have a chance to play our part. And what our part must do, it must start with a yieldedness, encountering Jesus, and an obedience. Matt preached about right at the start of September. That yieldedness or brokenness and encounter, they're pathways to a Christ-like life. And so as we come to worship, as we come to exalt him now as king and to say, yes, please, burn, burn in me. Lord Jesus, please grow my passion for you and that you would be known in the nations. Please, would you show me, God, where my heart needs to be submitted to you and life here in Leeds. You'd give me opportunities to love you and serve you here. So I'm going to pray and then Vicky is going to lead us with a band. We say, Lord Jesus, we love you and we need you. We say there is no one greater than you. There's no one better to serve. And Father, we repent of the things in our life that are are false idols, the things that have elevated their own status and we have let them. And we turn our attention, we turn our gaze to you, Lord Jesus. And as we worship you, God, I pray it would mean that we are recentering our lives on you that we would encounter you here and from that obedience would flow serving and loving you for the sake of the nation for the sake of those who do not know you and have not heard about you yet pray these things in Jesus name Amen